This is the Boss Mama Jamma podcast, the can we be honest here podcast to help working moms survive and thrive. Because let's be honest, this shit's hard. I'm your host, Kate Glaystein. Let's talk about it, mama. Welcome to the Boss Mama Jamma podcast, the podcast for working moms. I'm so excited to be joined uh, by Issa. Issa Notermans is the global head of people and culture at Melbourne-based startup Linktree. Issa graduated from Monash University with a BA degree in science and arts, and across her 17 plus years working in the people and culture space, she has been naturally attracted to the fast-paced, progressive, and innovative world of tech, with a keen interest in the early stage, high growth phase of companies that are mission-driven and values-led. During her early career, Issa developed her passion for driving equitable people practices at Google Australia in the U.S., where she led teams focused on early career hiring and advancement programs, including a focus on diversity and belonging initiatives. Shortly after, she held the position of HR director for Pandora Music in Australia and New Zealand. And more recently, Issa was based in New York City with her young family in the role of Global Head of Diversity and Belonging at Spotify, where she spent the last five years developing her diversity strategy, leading a global team of practitioners and ambassadors for driving fair, safe, and inclusive workplaces, and enabling Spotify to be a market leader in this arena. You've spoken, well, sorry, she's spoken at the UN General Assembly for Gender Equity and Parental Leave and the White House in DC on the Task Force for Equitable Tech Workplaces. And you've even produced your own podcast. Check it out, Spot On is the name, as a tribute to the many voices and minds who've contributed to that diversity journey at Spotify. And I personally benefited from your work there. So thank you so much, Isa, for that work and You're for joining us uh, halfway across yeah. the world in Australia. Yeah. Good morning. Good afternoon for you, I guess. Um, <laughs> so great to be here. It's uh, it's wonderful to be reconnected. And I was just thinking back to, to, to all that time we spent together at Spotify, navigating our parenthood and just, you know, sort of where we were going, what was happening. So it's nice to have this moment where we've sort of come full circle and now talking about um, those lived experiences. Yeah. It's a really important um, discussion topic today. On your Absolutely. Podcast. So thanks for having me. Yes, of course. And as you said, the, the topic um, we're going to be covering is mostly parental leave. Um, how do you kind of navigate the parental leave policies uh, when you find out that you're pregnant and the parental leave policies in your workplace, in your, your country? Uh, what are the parental policies and paid leave that's in place um, that you can benefit from? But also there's that kind of personal journey of as a working mom, as a or working professional, um, you know, letting people know that you're pregnant and that you're going to be going on paid leave, or you know, maybe you're not actually pregnant. You're going through adoption. Uh, your partner may be the one having the child. How do you navigate those conversations and the expectations that kind of happen in the workplace? So I think it's it's a such a great conversation. It's so topical right now for me in the US, everything that's happening in the political space around the build better bill right now that the Biden administration is trying to pass. Um, in case it's not, you know, the top of the news in Australia, just to give you some context, the Biden administration is 
or they've authored what they're calling the Build Back Better Bill. Um, it encompasses a number of different programs for development in the country, but one particularly contentious topic right now is paid family leave or what we're kind of dealing with is the current lack thereof in the U.S. We're having a, a number of female politicians, celebrities, even the Duchess of Sussex has been incredibly outspoken um, for this bill uh, and the, the need for paid family leave. The bill in, initially included, <clears throat> I think, something pretty comparable to what you have in Australia. Uh, it was in one edition actually omitted from the bill. It was then dwindled down to about four weeks. And that's where we're, we're currently trying to fight to pass the four-week bill, which will hopefully go through Congress this week, but it's all very TBD. And I think one interesting yeah. thing is I think hopefully you can give us just some perspective of, yeah. you know, what what the country is is fighting for and kind of what you've had to to advocate for at your companies. Yeah. Look, from from my perspective, I'm I'm now based in Australia, as we sort of stated, and um, I think Australia has had a, quite a, a long history of fighting for this as well. And it wasn't until, you know, in the last few decades and, and even the last few years where we've been able to provide something that's actually meaningful, um, mm-hmm. that actually has, you know, real legs, I guess, you know, that it has a real impact in people's lives. So uh, where we're at currently is you can take up to a year of leave unpaid with no, with your job being kept open for you. Um, there is also... Um, it's amazing. Paid government leave, uh, you know, up to uh, I think it's twenty weeks at, at minimum wage. So again, it's like these are all um, incredible, you know, um, tools and um, benefits that we can build into existing programs. It's not just all on the individual company to try and go out there and and set and pave the way. It's when the government gets this right, we can build on something. Right. Um, as a foundation, and I think that's really the key here is when we set these, when we set the infrastructure up um, mm-hmm. from a from a from a very early baseline um, in a in a society, then we can start to make improvements and weigh in on that and develop that in the private sector as well. And I think in a lot of cases, the private sector is really leading the government um, and and take and bringing them on this journey, sort of paving the way building learnings in and taking it back to the government and say, look, this really works. This is what you can do. This is what's really powerful. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's, that's sort of my perspective. And I, and I really encourage companies and, and employees to advocate on behalf of themselves and these companies to really push things forward. It's actually what's going to change um, yeah. the, the socio-political landscape. That's, that's really interesting to, to have the, the thought be, you know, it's actually the, on the private level to drive the policy versus yeah. I think where the position I feel like the, our country feels like is, is we're, we're taking it from the top down almost from like, yeah. from, from policy to the private sector, but so much of it can, yeah. I think, be, be driven by the, and the proof is in the pudding and in, in what the, the mm-hmm. private sector is experiencing right now um, in terms of how their employees are, are managing paid leave and how they're actually thriving um, mm-hmm. you know, as individuals mm-hmm. and as a company because of that support. Yeah. Yeah. And these companies are, you know, they're businesses as well. So they need to make money, they need to grow, they need to sustain. And if we can see that that can happen in those moments, then we can definitely see, definitely see how that can happen in other spaces as well. Public, nonprofit, 
uh, so on and so forth. It's just giving people the very baseline that we can work with. What have you seen as like the most, um, I guess, in, impactful argument for that coming from the private sector mm-hmm. to the political landscape and saying that this is something that that should be supported um, yeah. by, by the government? I think the, the number one argument is that it keeps women in work. It allows for financial freedom for women. It allows for more talent to be in the market. Mm-hmm. It allows for people to, you know, for workplaces to really sustain um, an, an ecosystem and an environment and a culture of equity and inclusion. And these are all, as we've seen, real drivers of innovation and, and real drivers of success. So I think there's a huge argument just to, you know, make sure that women are actually in the workplace to begin with. And if we don't have paid parental leave, they opt out um, and, they, and, and they don't come back. And, and that's a real, that's a real problem. Um, so that's where I feel we need to center the argument. And then as we expand mm-hmm. that and we say, well, then the burden should not just be on women to be primary caregivers and professional women or even workers. Let's expand that to include, you know, the other parent, the non-birthing parent, the father, whichever term you want to use as the, the you know, the relationship here um, is to enable those folks to have um, a chance to to be a part of that process and part of that experience, and and they will, therefore we see happier individuals, we see more engaged um, employees, we see uh, the the shift in dynamic between gender balance as well, um, and that really drives um, obviously equitable changes across both organisations and in society when we start to normalise taking these this leave and, right. and doing so equally. Right. I mean, there's there's a lot of um, comments I think that we're hearing now in the U.S. with this policy, and, and I think things that you've heard in the past as as you know, women fight for equality in the workplace is this might be taken advantage of. You know mm-hmm. that that these policies, if they're put in place, you know, women women could potentially take advantage of the time off, and I'm not really sure how, <laughs> you know, how that's how that's really thought through, um, or yeah. you know, maybe if it's not just in in the yeah. lens of of uh, the mother, or you know, mm-hmm. I, it's a really interesting perspective. But I feel like you you have to lay out that argument of like having this in place these. Uh, parental leave policies and paid policies or just supportive policies in place Um, you're you're creating that equity and you have to almost give the context of like so what you know around like there's like the argument of like well we need the equality in the workplace and it's like well why should you know government or or um private sector really care about equality Mm -hmm. and it's there's so much proof in that like you were laying out you get better talent Mm -hmm you're actually a more innovative and productive workforce. So I'm just, I'm just thinking through the idea of like, you know, there's actually a lot to be said in having more available for women in the workplace. Yeah, for sure. I find it so interesting. Uh, I came up against this very, uh, it's very challenge when launching our recent parental leave experience program at Linktree where you know, our founders are, uh, you know, three white, straight, cisgender men um, who don't mm-hmm. have children. Um, I think one of them has twins and, and, and new twins. But the question was, what if people take advantage? What if they just only come here to take leave? I was like, great. <laughs> At least we're <laughs> offering the leave. Like, 
I don't see this as a, as a bad thing. It's not like they're taking a holiday. And I think that's also something I'd love to touch on as well is, you know, people take, uh, oh, you know, you're taking leave, you're taking time off. I was like, no, I'm taking time on to be right. with my kids, to raise my family. Um, that is not a holiday. That is one of the hardest things I'll ever do. And I don't know about you, Kate, but it was the hardest thing I ever did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just thought, great, I get to spend all this amazing time. I was constantly sort of torn between, am I doing a good job? Mm-hmm. My brain is not, is fried. How can I go back to work? Should I go back sooner so I don't lose touch? You know, right. am I, am, you know, when is my child going to be ready to be in daycare? Uh, should I get a nanny? Uh, the, the whole time yeah. was brought with just this constant Questions. rhetoric. And yeah, in my head around, oh my God, is, what is it? Am I doing this right? And we mm-hmm. had a really generous leave at, at Spotify. Yeah. Um, but for this, you know, like it's still such an odd experience to go, what I'm, I'm now just solely a parent for six months. Uh, and you just are grappling with that. It's, it's really hard work on no sleep and all the other things that come with being a new parent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <laughs> um, it's, I don't, I, I really want to start changing that narrative around people taking advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it is absolutely the hardest I'll ever have to do so it is not holiday and it's definitely something that we should provide as much time as people need to kind Mm -hmm. of come to terms with and and really feel like they can they can come back to work the best version of themselves after having it definitely I think the 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 hardest thing too when you when you do go on um parental leave is you know the outside of the lack of sleep and everything but that Mm -hmm. transition back to work um, mm-hmm. is often you, your, your thought is so much focused on the, on your child, on your baby. Is this the right time? Are they ready for me to go back to work? Yeah. So often like people are, women are asked, especially like when they come back to work, like, oh, were you ready? And I feel like the answer you, you oftentimes get is like, oh my God, yeah, I couldn't wait. You know, because it's, <laughs> it's not a holiday. It's, it's the hardest thing you've ever done. Work, yeah. The idea yeah. of going back to work is so refreshing. Yeah because you you've been in in such a a gauntlet of different um different work and exhaustion so mm-hmm. yeah that's a, that's a great point of it's that, that, that coming back is the, is the, i think the most important thing to get right mm-hmm. uh, in my experience and witnessing this and and also experiencing it the return to work now not only as a as a new worker, as a worker in this, you know, having been out for, you know, six months, but mm-hmm. coming back in this new identity of a working parent yeah. is so different. It's, it's almost like you have to be re-onboarded again. You have to set your, your limits differently. You have to right. map out your day more intent, intentionally. Um, it is a whole different world of work when you come back. And while the the company is the same and the people are the same and they're obviously you know things have changed a little bit you're fundamentally different and right. that's what we need to embrace is that how you show up in the workplace is going to be different um, and I don't think enough companies really understand how to pad that out how to create a welcoming environment back it's it's sometimes like you drop straight back into the same role and expected to mm-hmm. do the same thing in the same way and it's, it looks really different so yeah. creating some you know, um, slow build some, you know, practices around um, embracing return to work parents um, so they can feel like they can a, get back up to speed, but also feel like they have the flexibility and balance that their lives now need. Yeah. Are some of the, the best ways to ensure that 
um, the people succeed. And I, and I think that's the, the challenge I've seen as a HR professional as well, mm-hmm. is that when we don't have those, those structures in place, uh, working women, particularly the primary caregivers, particularly tend to drop out of the workforce because they can't, they don't feel supported and they feel like they can't do it all. Right. Uh, and it's super, mm-hmm. super challenging. Um, I'm have, I've had those experiences. I've questioned myself onto my boss. Right. It's like, I don't know if I can do these two roles. I don't know yeah. if I can be a mom parent. and yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and work and a worker in a senior role and, you know, leading a strategy in the organization. It was, it was super challenging. And I think with the right leader and the right boss and the right infrastructure and, and norms that you're creating, it should never feel that jarring. It should just feel like, great, you do what you do and we'll, we'll wrap our arms around that. Right. And I think so much of that is also set before you go on leave. I think there's, 100%. you know, as you're yeah. kind of getting ready to go on parental mm-hmm. leave, there's also so much anxiety, mm-hmm. I think, um, that at least... It, even in a really supported environment, anxiety and the fact that you're you're going to be out for an extended period of time. But even before then, um, you know, you're kind of looked at differently. You're now you're now with child potentially, or your your partner is with child, or you're you're about to enter into this whole new state of of being, and um, you know, have this additional role in your life. So I think that there's a lot of internal conflict that people feel and, and anxiety in telling um, their employer that they that they're going to take a parental leave at, at some point in the near future how do you yeah. what do you think is like the best way or like the best advice to like navigate that and, and having that conversation yeah. with your manager or with your employer so something that we we really focused on in our building our people experience program at Linktree was really the whole experience from the moment you join an organization and the policy mm-hmm. exists and it tells you how to use it through to when you come back and supporting working parents moving forward. And it's, it's a whole, it's a whole journey. It's a whole experience. It doesn't just start and stop with going on leave and coming back from leave. That's just part right. of the process. It really starts with um, communicating the policy explicitly uh, not just like having it, you know, in your intranet, but really um, communicating it and signaling that this is important to you in your organization, that these are things that we want you to know. This is how you can navigate these spaces, normalizing the conversations around parental leave, mm-hmm. highlighting those folks who've come back and doing really well and, you know, showcasing that they're being promoted or that they've, they're doing this excellent work. Like, Giving off those signals are a reinforcement that people can not be fearful about becoming a parent in the workplace and that their career can continue to grow yeah. um, here because we, we see all of you, we welcome all of you to this space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think um, training managers is critical to that. So giving them the tools to be able to lean into this, especially if they're not working parents themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, providing other resources like our EAP services or employee assistance programs, yeah. coaches. We have um, prenatal information sessions for employees. So even mm-hmm. if they're not even pregnant, they're wanting to understand, uh, you know, what, <laughs> what <doctor>. you know, <laughs> always. Yeah. <laughs> chirping in the background. Too. Um, you know, what is it? Um, about like understanding what it means to become a parent. I remember at Spotify, we had those early sessions, those listening sessions 
not only for the the women in the room who were pregnant or the or the fathers in the room or the, the fathers who were who were you know looking to um, go on this journey but even other employees who were like i've been on ivf for years i just want to know i want to be a part of a community of people who are who are leaning into this um, yeah. and have a space safe space to talk about it. there are so many different mm-hmm. things that you can do that doesn't just have to be a written document tucked away in your intranet um, that only just comes out as you need it. Right. Building it into your rhythm and building it into your norms and building it into your culture um, that just feels very natural. And then that starts to reduce the anxiety and tension and, and fear that comes with actually, hey, hey, boss, I'm pregnant. I'm planning to take this amount of leave. Um, let's work on this together and co-create yeah. it. And I think that's another really important part. And I also, you know, it's really scary because some people don't feel comfortable telling anyone before their 20 week mark. Right. Um, yeah. And 20 weeks is, is almost, is halfway. You've only got a few, <laughs> you know, a few months left. Right. So it doesn't and give so you, people a lot of heads up. Yeah. yeah. And so then you're, you're kind of trying to prepare on your own with this giant mm. secret. You're like, okay, yeah. like how do you spend 20 weeks preparing for what could potentially be in your area of the world a year off? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that final 20 weeks is really a co-creation with with a leader and yourself. Um, mm. I've seen all variations of this work, but what I don't like seeing and what I really see as a, as a, a bit of a failure is relying on the, the exiting employee to manage all of that transition on their own. Um, and, you know, in, in, even in terms of like finding a backfill and, redistributing work if that person is expected to do all that i think that's really really tough and a lot of pressure and burden to put on someone who's already going through the motions of preparing for another big job that's coming as well so uh i we, we've created tons of templates um of co-creation and and how you design that together mm-hmm. to timelines and milestones of, of you know what covers when and then obviously the the emergency plan, which um, I did not have in place when my son was born prematurely, um, mm-hmm. around just like what if what if the the um, the baby arrives earlier than expected? Um, in my case, it was five weeks, so we had those twenty weeks cut down to sort of more, more like 15. <laughs> fifteen, yeah, yeah, and also, and then just you know really sort of struggled like who can cover? Um, mm-hmm. So I remember I didn't even have my laptop um with me and I had left it to go to my doctor's appointment and then I just never came back oh, <laughs> and then and then I don't think anyone knew where I was for a few days because they're like what where where is Isa and her laptop's right. here is everything okay but um and because it was an emergency it was like I couldn't really contact anyone um but yeah it's just it's just interesting like any anything can happen and you just have to prepare prepare for all different um you know, all different circumstances and, and just had those plans in place pretty early if you can. Yeah. I think what's, um, you hear a lot of like kind of horror stories of mm. people telling their bosses or, or kind of preparing to go on maternity leave. And it's like, it, it tends to turn into like a, a, this ticking time bomb of like mm. when your career is going to go mm on hold, um, you know, when is your career development and, and all of that going to, to really press pause. Yeah. Um, you, you wonder why women are like, well, you know, it's always choosing between my career and, and having a family. Yeah. Like it, it really is. And yeah. I think those are the moments yeah. where you, you really feel it the most and you feel in the thick of it. Um, you know, what is your, your kind of advice to people who don't really have the, the most supportive system or the most understanding 
boss, team. Yeah. It's so hard. I, I mean, I think advocating for yourself is, is vital. Um, mm-hmm. And this is where I say really lean on your HR partners, mm-hmm. lean on those other services with, that your organization should just have as a, as a baseline. So your right. employee assistance programs really work and talk to other parents in the business and, and talk to other people to help fight for what you are owed and what you deserve and what is going to be safe and, and fair. Uh, mm-hmm. So that there's sort of the, the three or four key things that I would suggest. Yeah. Um, and put a lot of it in writing. Um, so mm-hmm. sometimes these conversations are hard um, to have in person and it's better to track it in some documents and just share that as, as you go, because they're emotional, yeah. there's tensions are high. And sometimes there's, there's a misinterpretation of, of what's being said or communicated. So right. I would just keep a, like a tracking document of, of the things that you're doing and the things that you're planning and, and share that with mm-hmm. yourself and the team. I'd also try and find allies within the business. Um, maybe it's another senior parent in the organization who can help advocate mm-hmm. for you um, in spaces where you're not. Um, and on the career front, um, it's just continue to talk about the future yeah. um, to give your, I guess, your, your boss or your manager or whoever your line manager, mm-hmm. the confidence that, I'm still me. Right. I'm still my, I'm, I'm still my professional identity. I'm still an employee and a worker here that really cares about the, where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and speaking in future terms gives them the confidence and the signal that, you, you know, you'll be returning, that you, you are going to be focusing on your work moving forward. And that's, that's what you want to, you know, spend your time talking about. It's like right. being a parent is just a part of my identity and who I am. Yes, I'm stepping away for a period of time, but in the long term, you know, in the in the spectrum of a 40 year career, it's a blip, mm-hmm. right? So, right. and and talking in those sort of in that context helps people understand that this is, you know, it is literally just a blip in time. It's right. going to help define me as a person. Uh, it's going to make me a better worker, and, and I think there's even research out there that says that oh, working I moms, it. especially, yeah. are most efficient out there, most productive. Um, I so, yeah, I think there is there is a lot that we can focus on um, to talk about further in your career. Yeah, what do you think too for like the time off um, aspect of it? Like when you're going in, you're kind of preparing your your manager for the time off that you're going to mm-hmm. take if you feel like your company might offer just a kind of the bare minimum time and you may mm-hmm. need more that mm-hmm. could, you know, knowing that you're going to potentially need more time. One of my, my cousins and closest friends, um, she had a baby with health, a lot of health conditions and, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't have a lot of time um, off offered through her employer. And she knew she was going to need to be with the baby for an extended period of time. Um, And unfortunately, you know, where we are in the U S there wasn't a lot of coverage there. So she's had to kind of make it work in, in both like a part-time capacity and everything, but Mm. I think navigating Mm. that conversation, like you said, emotions were so high for her knowing that she had Mm. a high risk pregnancy and and everything. What, what's like your best advice for somebody who's, who's going to be negotiating additional time off to what they, they might currently have available. Look, I'm really hoping that we have HR practitioners 
who know how to help employees navigate those conversations. I think that's where you should go first. Mm-hmm. Again, I know that those centers um, within organizations can also be challenging or may come off as having a perception of just being employer commit- committed rather than employee mm-hmm. committed. Like working uh, in the best interest of the company the versus employer. the employees. Yeah, yeah. The employee. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, but I think that in my experience, there are incredibly reasonable uh, level, in, you know, fair practitioners. And I, and mm-hmm. I would urge you to, to appeal to your HR partner and talk about the plans that you have in place and what that might look like. So you can mm-hmm. go to your manager with the support of HR to have a really healthy and productive conversation around what this could look like right. um, in terms of, work allocation in terms of coverage, in terms of timeout, in terms of expectations of, of delivering on the role, because mm-hmm. um, that all matters in, in the scheme of, of things. When, when you bring, you know, these challenges to a leader who is like, all I'm thinking about, how am I going to deliver on, on next quarter's results? Right. How's that going to happen with you being part-time? How? So you, you, you figure out a plan um, that way. I think that that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I would really, if your company has flex benefits, I would lean into those and really mm-hmm. utilize those as best you can, depending on your financial situation, of course. Um, and always just talking in short-term goals. Mm-hmm. So this isn't going to be forever. This is going to be for the next two months. Right. And then we'll reevaluate. So it doesn't feel like a forever state, uh, mm-hmm. which I think some, some managers can feel a bit bogged down by. It's like, oh, yeah. I, can't, I don't know how I'm going to do this over the next year. It's like, it's not the next year. It's just mm-hmm. this quarter or it's just this month. Um, I remember a manager that I had uh, at Spotify, Katerina, mm-hmm. came to me and she's like, I think we need to modify your, your, you know, your, your work hours. I can see that this, you know, you're, cause I came back and I was diagnosed with postpartum depression. Right. She said, I can see that you're, you're really having a hard time. And I want you to make sure that you're focusing oh, on sorry. your health, not your, not your baby, your health. Yeah. And she was fantastic. She lent into it. She was like, let's do a modif- modified work week for the next month. Just do four-day work weeks. Let's figure oh, out, like, great. so th- that Friday you go and do your therapy and you do the things that, that you need to, to get better. Mm-hmm. And before we knew it, like, we, we did it for, I think we did it for two months, and she said to do it for a quarter initially. And by the eight weeks, I was back full time. It was That's it was, great. It was, it was just, I didn't even need the three months, but it just allowed me to have a breathing room to be mm-hmm. able to step away and focus on myself and then and come back. So, yeah. I mean, it, it really, it really can work out in, in favor of everyone. Um, mm. If we just, if we talk about it. Yeah. And that, Oh, that I'm so sorry that you went through that, but it's, it's so great that you had the support from your, from your manager and from Katarina yeah. to figure yeah. out a way to, to make sure that you were healthy and that you were mm. um, supported. I, th- I think like that's also, you know, goes into the, the whole, debate of how important this leave is, um, for both the mom and for the baby, um, and for the partner too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all always a question right now, because again, like in the, in the U S we are one of the only countries, uh, first world country to not offer any type of parental leave as a government. And you kind of look at the list of, of countries and what they offer, um, 
and I, I feel like the conversation oftentimes goes to like, well, what's, what is enough? You know, we're now debating over four weeks. Um, yeah. Australia is oh, at a year. You know, so many other countries are, are usually around like four to six months or a year. Um, you know, what, what do you believe and why do you believe it is the, the right time uh, or amount of time that either a company or a government should, should support for paid leave? Paid what parental leave. number like in, t- in terms of number of weeks or yeah think, yeah yeah I mean I think I, I read somewhere recently where it was like the the first six months of a child's life they're so yeah. dependent on their mother and and it's literally like a mm-hmm. relationship of like you are the world that they know and understand and after mm-hmm. six months they can mm-hmm. they start to look around and explore mm-hmm. so it's you we really feel 100%. like they're you know that separation before six months you're you're really taking a child out of yeah. What they know is the whole yeah. world. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, I think the standard breastfeeding rates are around, I think people mostly drop off around the seven, eight month mark mm-hmm. when, you know, solids are introduced. Right. So we also know that the breastfeeding component of childcare is, is huge nutritionally mm-hmm. bonding um, health, you know, it, it enables, you know, to build up immunity, all the benefits of great breastfeeding, right? And mm-hmm. I have no, I, I both formula and breastfed my kids. So I, I, I have, you know, I have strong opinions about both opportunities. Right. Um, and I just think that those, you need to optimize for that to occur and to make sure that that is happening. And, mm-hmm. I, and I agree, I think the first six months are so critical. And then I also think that from one to two is really critical, which is why I love the way that you can take parental leave at places like Spotify and, and it's my organization where you can take parental leave up to two years because right. where I've what in where I've found the most impact for especially non-birthing parents um, or the secretary carers or the fathers is that one to two years and they have that time when they're walking and walking and exploring the world around them. That's where typically the the, the parent, the father or the non-birthing parent feels the most connected mm-hmm. and encouraging um, them to take the leave then because like they have a huge part in in their child's development so yeah. uh, and I think that that's when they can take three four five months at those at those moments really starts to to see the shift in both caregiving connection and then this mm-hmm. and then this real shift in um, creating equality in the home where you're both contributing um, right. to the raising of your child just at different points um, mm. because those two different points have, have their own critical you know um, needs and I, and I think that that's where it supports both the, the the mother the primary carer birthing parent back into the business or work mm. um, mm. while having this support at home but of course I don't it only works when both parents get a very generous amount of, of leave right. and my husband only had a week and <laughs> you know and it, it further Same. generated the norms in our in our home, right? Mm-hmm. Where because I had six months at home, I was the you know the domestic one, and mm-hmm. you know he didn't have that access. So you know our dynamic shifted to be me as as the parent, as the you know the stay at home parent for a while, and mm-hmm. I ended up you know taking on all of those domestic duties um even yeah. when I did return to work because we'd already it, they'd been established so early exactly um, and you and I were talking yeah we were talking yeah. earlier like that for for me and probably you too that 
being the one at home for six months, my husband also only had a week off. Mm-hmm. I was automatically the one getting mm-hmm. up at night because I didn't mm-hmm. have to go to work mm-hmm. during the day. You know, I didn't have to quote unquote go to yeah. work <laughs> during the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, it, and that just a kind workplace of st- or a work or an office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that sets the stage where suddenly exactly. you are the only one in the house to like, at least, yeah. or you're feeling the, the most sleep deprived um, mm. as the mom. And I think those, that six months was wonderful. Um, it's like you also, it gave them me as a mom, extra time to, to adjust mm-hmm. to some of that and to kind of recover. Yeah. But, you know, even, even then you ask, like, is that enough time? So it's like having the, <laughs> the additional support when you do go back to work with your, um, yeah. you know, your spouse being able to take that leave as well and take mm-hmm. the time off to, to then step in and say, okay, yeah. you're going back to work. Let me help yeah. you transition into that by being the primary person for yeah. a little while I'd say one other thing that I found really a really big learning for me is don't start start your daycare or your nanny arrangement or whatever care um back up you know your your secondary care um mm-hmm. scenario while you're transitioning back to work yeah try and do that like well before you come back to work yeah if you can if you can, um, if you're not having a child in a pandemic, that's, that's great advice true, true. for any of the pandemic. If you can, try and, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, if you can, because that is just so challenging to try and find a new rhythm yeah. and a new place all in the same week as you're trying to find your own rhythm back at work. It, I think that was one of the worst mistakes I ever made. I was like, yeah. why did I do this this week? Yeah. And it was just, it was too challenging and, and yeah, it was it was a cluster. <laughs> oh, I know. I I'm for, I went through something kind of similar because our being in the the pandemic, our yeah. our secondary care situation fell through in the last minute. Literally the Sunday yeah. before I was going back to work, the woman oh, who wow. was supposed to nanny my son, um, her situation changed, and so we were left just scrambling my first week of work, which my manager was totally understanding about, thank God. But I think there's a lot psychologically for a mom when you go back to work, kind of releasing the reins and and figuring out who is going to care for your child when that has been your thought for the past, you know, Mm -hmm. however much time, every single second of your day is around caring for your child. It, like we were saying, it's kind of a relief to have another thought in your mind going back to work. Now you're, you're kind of turning back on the, the kind of professional processes and, and neurons in your brain, yeah. but <laughs> you know, there's that, that worry that you're going to have. So yeah, definitely mm-hmm. giving yourself time to adjust if you can, when you're on leave mm-hmm. to knowing who is going to be taking care of your child and that they're yeah. going to be okay, yeah. like sets you up yeah. so much better to to and more confidently to go back to work and have just put on your professional hat exactly and in all honesty it takes a village so find as many of those folks as you can in all corners of your world I mean you know I was we were a long way from home and my family are in Australia when I had my kids in in New York so we really learned on the you know the mothers groups and the communities and had you know nannies and babysitters and neighbors Mm -hmm. and and New York felt like a very wonderful place to be able to, you know, build those connections, which which I love. Um, but I would say, yeah, surround yourself with with lots of other folks like you. 
Um, yeah. There, everyone will have a, a good practice to share and a really, you know, some, some insights um, that you, that might help in your decisions and, and your planning. So, yeah. And also mm-hmm. like you forget about um, just those emergency people too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, having that network is so critical. If you're, yeah. you're back at work, um, you know, you get that call from yeah, yeah. <laughs> your son has a runny nose. <laughs> you know? yeah, he has a fever. Yeah. We need somebody to come pick him up and, you know, maybe having that person that you can rely on if it's not your spouse or if it's not your partner, um, you know, maybe to pick him up or something like that. You know, yeah, we did that when we lived in Brooklyn for our neighbors before we had a child, we, um, yeah. you know, we were those emergency people picking up uh, their daughter from daycare and, you know, you, people are happy to do those things, you know, whether they yeah. have children and understand or not, like they're happy to help. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's so, it's so important. Well, thank you so much again. This was so great. Um, I think. Thanks, Kat. You know, this was awesome. You know, you I just s- want to talk about this all day with you. And I know that we'll probably get more opportunities in the future. And um, I think what you're doing is incredible. It's like bringing these stories, you know, front and center to try and change the landscape and I'm I'm cheering from over here for oh, whatever thanks. the administration delivers I hope it's favorable at least to start um and that you know companies that we've been at and, and future companies can learn around you know the best practices and the path forward that can really create um fair and equitable and balanced yeah. um, workplaces for working parents so yeah well thank you for what you do i remember when i first learned about your title at spotify i was like that's a job that's amazing that somebody's that's like championing that's so great <laughs> yes um and yeah, that's actually <laughs> trying to hide at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and so i'm just impressed by what you do and i think you know, people always say like you know they wonder if they're making an impact in the world with their work and and you have in so many ways and so I think you know what you do every day is you're an amazing boss who is just championing (laughs) for everyone else and and you know whatever we can do to help support you in your role leading that like we're you know all moms around the world are are cheering you on yeah thank you and I and I'm cheering them on um we're in it together as I say so 100% thanks Kate